Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. It's July 3rd, and we are going to be discussing 10 mysterious artifacts that are allegedly alien. Some say alien life forms have visited Earth throughout the history. However, such claims are difficult to prove. Most UFO sightings and abductions are easy to dismiss as hoaxes or simple misunderstandings. But what about the times when the little green men actually leave something behind? Or artifacts people from ancient times have constructed to honor what could only be visitors from other planets. There are many strange objects in the world, both enigmatic and man-made, that are said to be proof of alien life. Joining me today is Deb. Dr. Bill is a little under the weather. He, I, We don't know. We think he's got a covid or a cold or something but he can't mow the lawn he's coughing oh he can't mow the lawn yeah we, i don't know, know why he's mowing the lawn he should probably be there's a typical excuse oh, i can't mow the lawn honey you do it <laughs> <laughs> i've been Minus. there i've been there i can't mow the lawn so what's going on it's been a while since you've been on the show it what have you been and- doing and at any time, it can get really noisy here because we just saw a bounce house being erected <laughs> right next to our front yard. We have neighbors that have children, and one of them, they're both girls, tight, cute little couple of girls, but one of them's got this screech that just goes right through you. It's probably alien. It's an alien. <laughs> so, Deb, why don't you kick it off with, uh, let's talk about the... The Russian UFO tooth wheel. That's a whole a lot of things wheel. in one a sentence right wheel. there. That's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> Get it? A Russian man found a strange piece of machinery from Vladivostok. I think that's how you say that. The administrative capital of the Primorsky. You want to give me the hard ones to... <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to start with that one. <laughs> Primorsky Cry area. We all know where that is. Yeah. The object resembled a piece of tooth wheel. A piece of tooth wheel. I tooth. And was embedded in a piece of coal. Oh, so this doesn't have anything to do with actually teeth? No, it's, it's a, a tooth wheel. From no, a wheel. it's okay. a wheel. It's Because that kind of scares me. See, it's me. right there. There's a picture. Okay. That's not to, um, you know, Do you think that's was teeth? The the piece was... George Washington's teeth? Yes. We've already discussed George Washington's not wooden <laughs> teeth. The piece was embedded in a piece of coal he was using to light a fire. Although d- discarded pieces of old machines are not uncommon in Russia, the man became curious and showed his find to some scientists, as you do. Testing revealed that the toothed object was almost pure aluminum and almost certainly artificially made. The scientists determined that it was three. Uh, it was three hundred million years old. What raised some interesting questions is um, aluminum of this purity and shape can't f- form naturally, and humans uh, didn't really figure to make it until eighteen twenty-five. Um, the object also resembles uh, parts that are used in microscopes and other del- delicate technical devices. Conspiracy ther- theorists, you always give me everything I can't pronounce, <laughs> have been made have been quick to declare the find a part of an alien spaceship. The scientists researching it are not willing to jump to conclusions and wish to run further tests in order to learn more about the mysterious artifact yeah this was kind of found recently i kind of looked it up Mm -hmm. just a few years ago it's not something from a long time ago so 
Um, this is part of the theory that, you know, how many different civilizations have been on Earth over the eons that Earth is the built on, well, the universe is the 13, you know, billion years old or whatever. Well, if we're digging for coal and we've been digging for coal for hundreds of years, how deep have we dug into the earth to get to the coal that we're yeah. mining now and as they go deeper and deeper that just means that's because coal is just you know decomposed plant life i right. think and, and it turns into oil coal and that kind of thing so it's so long ago that this i don't know how deep he went you know because as farther down you go the farther in time you right. are I exactly assume. that's what i would think and that and then the other thing is why are we still burning coal <laughs> That begs the question. <laughs> well, number nine is the Guatemala stone head. That's a big head. Look, there's a, there's a picture of oh, the... Oh, is that a uh, car? Yeah, that's a car right there. That's a big old a head. A car huh? doesn't even come near its chin. It's <laughs> <No. laughs> a big head. In the 30s, explorers found an enormous, eloquently made sandstone statue in the middle of a Guatemalan jungle. The face carved in the stone didn't... Res resemble the facial features of the Maya or any other people known to have populated the lands. In fact, an elongated cranium and fine features didn't seem to belong in history at all. Research, researchers have claimed that the stone's unique features depict a member of an ancient alien civilization that was far more advanced than any of the pre-Hispanic races of America we know about. Some even speculated the head might just be part of a much larger constru construct oh construct underneath. Well, that would be, oh, it was found untrue. Cool, because that would have been really cool. There's yeah. a whole bunch of them down there. Of course, there's a chance that the statue might be the work of a more recent artist or even a complex hoax. Sadly, we'll probably never find out for sure. Though the head was used for target practice by revolutionary troops and its features have been destroyed to near obscurity. Oh, we are nice. just jerks. <laughs> well, we didn't do it. Uh, they were revolutionary troops. <laughs> you know, you got it. It's a big old head. <laughs> what else are you going to do? It's shoot at it. It's a big old head. Shoot at it. It's like every sign up in the mountains that's, you know, riddled with bullet holes because if anything exists, we must shoot at it. Number eight is the Williams Enigmalith. Do you know what an enigmalith means? I know what a monolith is. <laughs> in 1998, a hiker named John J. Williams noticed a strange metallic protrusion in the dirt. He dug up a strange-looking rock, which upon cleaning turned out to have a weird electrical component attached to it. The electric device was clearly man-made and somewhat resembled an electrical plug. That's interesting. It does, kind of. Yeah, it looks like a three-pronged plug. Um, huh, interesting. The rock has since become a well-known mystery in UFO enthusiast circles. It was featured in UFO magazine and, according to Williams, Fortean Times, a famed magazine devoted to mysterious phenomenon. Williams, an electrical engineer says the electric component embedded in the stone has not been glued or welded into the granite. In fact, the rock probably formed around the device. Oh, so an electrical device was left out and a rock grew around it as they 
We'll open it up. What's inside? <laughs> I mean, many believe that the so-called Williams Enigma Lith is a hoax as Williams refuses to break it, but is willing to sell it for $500,000 so somebody else can break it, oh, I guess. my kind of guy. Well, that's the thing. We end up giving, you know, a lot of these artifacts are found, yeah. and we end up giving them to scientists and they find something cool, and then we never find out what it what is. What it was, yeah. You know, they keep it for themselves. They reverse engineering. They make printed circuits and Velcro and whatever. Of course, my Velcro theory, I think, got debunked by Dr. Bill. I think it was invented much later than, or earlier maybe, than Roswell. I thought they've got, they, you know. That's where Velcro came I, from. Yeah. Well, the stone device uh, does bear a certain resemblance to uh, heat rocks that are commonly used to keep tropical pet lizards warm. Did you know about that? You're a pet person. I do. I've sold many a hot rock. Really? Have you really? Well, we sold reptiles, yeah. So you sold rocks too? Well, they have heated rocks that you plug in and it warms because reptiles need to be kept warm. So you buy them a heat rock. Oh, so is that what that is? And then you have like my turtle that had its heat lamp that one day malfunctioned. and Burned the turtle to death? Boiled my turtle. Oh, you know what? There's some really bad Bad animal stories this week. When you... (laughs) Yeah, it's been a rough week for pets. <laughs> Still, geological analysis has apparently determined that the stone is around 100,000 years old, so it's probably unlikely that it's a, one of your well, rocks. Well, yeah, I, I haven't <laughs> been selling them for that long. <laughs> well, I hope not. Or just, we have something else to talk uh-huh. about. Okay. Uh, which, if true, would mean the device um, inside can't possibly be of a human creation, unless it was a... The humans from eons ago. That we um, don't recognize. Williams is confident enough to let everyone research the Enigma Lith on three conditions. You of ready? Course. He must be present. Mm-hmm. The rock must remain unharmed. Okay, I don't... Yeah, you've got to harm the rock. And he will not have to pay for the research. He has a lot of rules. I don't <laughs> think... I don't like I don't think I'd rules. like this guy. Yeah, well... It's how can you? Well, they should be able to. I don't. But they, he also says for five hundred grand, he'll just turn over the rock. So, in that, in that, if he gets five hundred grand, they can destroy the rock all they want, right? It's all of how much money he gets. Oh well, isn't that always the way it is? Of course. And you get a little one. It's a little easier to pronounce this time. Ancient and I think, aeroplanes. And I think we recognize this this picture. It's the one of the gold little airplane. Inca, I think it was Incas, um, or the Mayans. It might be the Mayans that they found. The gold, it's all gold. Okay, but you can call that a plane. Maybe it's just a bug. <laughs> it's got its little feet sticking out. It's, it's got its little eyes that look like yeah, they're swirling. It kind of reminds me, you know, like the scarab type things, except they just added little wings to it. That's interesting. Did you always say that when this? Have you I've seen never this seen before? that before. Oh, you've never seen this? Never seen that before. You don't travel to, in the in the lanes that I do, apparently. No, I do not. <laughs> no. This Sorry. thing has been around. This is from, uh, this is all the way back from Gold of the Gods and, you know, Eric Von Daniken. That's the first time I, I think this came up for me. No, I've never seen that little thing. And that's all I can think of is it's a bug. Inc- a... Incas and other pre-Columbian people left behind some extremely pu- puzzling trinkets. Some of the strangest are probably the so-called ancient aeroplanes, which are small golden figures that closely resemble modern jet planes. Originally thought to be zoomorphic or meant to resemble animals. Zoomorphic. Zoom. Zoomorphic. No, zoomorphic. 
The statues were soon found to have features that look very much like fighter planes. Wings, stabilizing tails, and even landing gear. There's no landing gear on that thing. They were aerodynamic enough that when ancient astronaut... Would you stop moving that? <laughs> I want to see its feet. <laughs> well, stop it! <laughs> God! <laughs> when ancient astronaut believers allegedly made model planes with their proportions and fitted them with propellers and jet engines... They flew perfectly. Oh, really? People actually put little motors in these. That's yeah, they made models. There's good people that made models of this thing, and, and it flew. Why don't we have one? All this has led to speculation that the Incas may have been in contact with likely extraterrestrial people who were able to build advanced jet planes, and who perhaps even possessed the technology themselves. Well, that or these wonderful statuettes might just be artistic representations of huh, bees, Flying fish or other winged creatures. As always, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, you know, I agree with it. it might be a fish. It might be anything. But I also, I've seen, they can make anything fly. I mean, oh, I made this thing fly. I've seen radio-controlled flying lawnmowers. That's really unnecessary. You know. <laughs> what, what are you going to mow? <laughs> mow the sky. My point being that you, can, down the yeah, you can make anything fly. Watch the dog freak out. Okay, then we're, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, we bade lizard men. Ooh. We know all about the lizard men. Al Ubaid archaeological site in Iraq is a gold mine for archaeologists and historians. <laughs> it has yielded mysterious. Numerous objects from a pre-Sumerian time called the Ubaid period, 5900 to 4000 BC. However, some of these objects are quite disturbing. A number of Ubaid statues depict strange lizard-like humanoid features in unique unceremonious poses that seem to indicate they were not gods, such as the animal-headed deities of Egypt, but rather a race of lizard people. Would it not be cool to go somewhere like Iraq and start digging stuff up? I mean, that's some ancient, ancient place. That must be so cool. I mean, yeah, they're not friendly people, so you know. <laughs> not some of them are, but well, I know, many but it's, aren't. it's a, they don't. You know, but God, wouldn't that? Be well, many so of the unfortunately, many of the ancient sites there mm-hmm. have just been. They didn't realize the the value. Your average right. person, unfortunately, doesn't find the wonder. Of archaeological science, as we do. Imagine if you found a big old lizard head. Yeah, look, so, oh my God. Look what they did to the big old giant head. And it, from, oh, they or, shot you know, at They it. shot it, and now you Poor can't even head. see what it is anymore. The statues have been drawn into stories and theories of reptilian aliens that used to roam the earth, and perhaps still do, according to conspiracy theories and Doug. Yes. Although this seems unlikely, their true nature remains a mystery. Yeah, well, you know how it goes. It's um, always a mystery. <laughs> we, we've never, we can never figure it out. Next is Sri Lanka meteorite fossils. Here we are. Now we're in, um, I think this is in, would be India. Researchers who analyzed the remains of a meteorite that fell in Sri Lanka found that the subject was something more than just pieces of space rock. It was an alien artifact in the most literal sense. An artifact made of actual aliens. Two separate studies have found that the meteorite contains fossils 
and algae that are clearly of extraterrestrial origin, Deb. Whoa. Okay, now you gave me this on purpose. <laughs> Professor Chandra Wickramasinghe. I did that, but I changed up the order. <laughs> the, the leading researcher on the first study says the fossils provide compelling evidence of panspermia, the hypothesis that life exists throughout the universe and is spread by meteorites and other solid space debris. However, he is not without his critics. Wickram Masinga <laughs> just happens to be a noted panspermia enthusiast with a tendency to claim oh, that almost everything is of extraterrestrial origin. <laughs> it's, a, it's an alien. Doug says that all the uh, time. Everything's an alien. What's more, the traces <laughs> of life the meteorite contains are actually freshwater species commonly found on Earth, which seems to indicate the object has been contaminated during its time on our planet. Well... It would make sense you know, also. It's going to pick up things by yeah. being around our things. Yeah, if it falls in, falls in the mud, then it's going to pick up all the mud stuff. Exactly. Number four is the Summer's Triumph Tapestry. The tapestry known as Summer's Triumph was created in Bruges. Is that Bruges? Bruges? The capital of West Flanders province in the Flemish region of Belgium around 1538. Currently, it resides in the Bavariches National Museum. We probably butchered that, but go ahead. Oh, well. Summer's Triumph. <laughs> somebody is, out there knows. Somebody knows that we're pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> Summer's Triumph is famous or infamous among conspiracy theorists because it clearly depicts a number of distinctly UFO-like objects flying in the skies. Although their presence is baffling, some speculate they may have been added in the tapestry which depicts a victorious ruler's ascension to power in order to connect the UFOs to the ruler as a symbol of divine intervention. This, of course, raises more questions than answers, such as, why would the 16th century Belgians recognize flying saucers and mentally connect them with divinity? Well, maybe they saw them. Yeah, I mean, they've, you know, been over forever we've made pictures of dinosaurs on walls and you know things like that and maybe the aliens were more willing to come visit us before we developed weapons that could fly <laughs> and shoot them out of the sky i mean maybe maybe in the 1400s the 1600s you know we were a much more approachable people yeah well that we were drawing sense. tapestries instead of yeah, blowing shit up we're still dangerous yeah. So the glorification of the Eucharist. An Italian painter named Ventura Sav. Yeah. No, does it nothing ever happen here? No. <laughs> no. no. I guess this is history. We, we're pretty recent. The okay. 1600s, we weren't here. Salabimbe. Salabimbe. Or, okay. Salabimbe is responsible for one of the most mysterious altar paintings in history. Disputa of the Eucharist, a 16th century painting also known as the glorification of the Eucharist. Eucharist is an alternative, alternate term for the Holy Communion. It is a three-part work. The bottom two parts are relatively normal. They depict a number of religious authorities and an altar. However, the top part shows the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and a dove depicting the Holy Ghost. 
looking upon them, and holding what seems to be a space satellite. The object is large and spherical with a metallic finish, telescopic antennas, and strange lights. In fact, it heavily resembles that of the old Sputnik satellite. Let's look at this again. It's, it, what's amazing There's, to me the is... The dove is... So the dove... That's the Holy Spirit, but the Father and the Son, it looks like a globe. It does look like it, the it, Earth. It looks like the Earth, and I mean, nobody even knew back then that the Earth was round. That even is more for creepy. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre, huh? Because they didn't have a whole lot of probably perfect spheres back then. No doubt. Although UFO enthusiasts and ancient astronaut theorists have often claimed the disputa as proof of extraterrestrial life, or perhaps time travel, experts have been quick to debunk such notions. According to them, the orb is a... The Sphera Mundi, a globe-like representation of the universe that used to be common in religious art. So back then they were already talking about the Earth being round. The strange lights on... Was it flat or just round? Well, it was round <laughs> when, when Columbus got lost. The strange lights on the satellite are merely the sun and the moon, and the antennas are actually scepter wands that act as symbols of authority for the father and the son they really don't look like scepters but okay yeah they do look like antennas but yeah the mexican government's maya artifacts the story goes like this deb in 2012 the mexican government released a number of maya artifacts that have been protecting for 80 years as state secrets these objects were retrieved from an unexplored pyramid that was found under another pyramid in Calakmul, the site of one of the most powerful ancient Maya series cities. A government-sanctioned documentary by Raul Julia Levy, the son of fact, famous actor Raul Julia, and financier Elizabeth Thero, ex-wife of former publisher of the San Francisco Chronicle, featured a number of these finds, and most of which clearly depict UFOs and alien visitors. Ooh. The case may seem fairly enticing, but once you look closer, a strange pattern of fraud begins to emerge. Doesn't it always? Yes. Both of the documentarians seem to be lying about something. Wow. Julia Levy doesn't appear to be who he claims to be. Raul Julia's widow has publicly called out a con man named Salvador Alba Fuentes. According to her, Salvador is attempting to ride on her late husband's fame as going around telling everyone his name is Raul Julia Levy. So she denies this is her son, I take it. What that That's interesting. No, she's Yeah. Raul Julia's widow says that there's a oh. con man claiming to be I see. Raul Julia's son. Hmm. Maybe it's from a different mother. I know guys, you know, sometimes men have multiple lives. I it does you, happen. You'd never understand that. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Therat has shut down production of the documentary and sued her partner, accusing Julia Levy of stealing her documentary and misusing filming equipment. A statement he vehemently re refutes. What's more, there seems to be little scientific proof of the often of the artifacts and the pictures that have merged online are less than concrete evidence. I don't care. It still looked really cool. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty cool. It's interesting. 
Perhaps the artifacts were cheap fakes manufactured by a local artisan. Perhaps the officials had second thoughts about the documentary and ordered Thero to shut it down by any means necessary. Whatever the truth behind these strange artifacts is, their case is far from oh, convincing. Oh, that's just too bad. So you bring up these fun things and then you say, ah, it's not true. I kind of, you know, I get all hopeful as I'm reading it and then it gets debunked and... I'm, you know, I know these are the things you think about I'm when you're an, not on the show. Right? I'm such an innocent. I'm sitting here <laughs> believing every word that I'm hearing. And then we get to the next pair of, never mind. It's not true. What about Skinny Bob? I showed you him. Remember Skinny Bob, the alien? The video? Oh, yeah. That was creepy. Didn't, what did you think about that? Skinny Bob. Do you think it's fake? I don't know. I just, it's hard to believe that if there is actual footage of an alien that you know it took us this long to see it but who knows well it was old it was captain i don't know if it was captured it was russian looked like it was from a a super eight brownie i don't know what you'd call it you mean like the the old the the videos the videos of me as a child yeah and me but from the the 40s someday someday i'm gonna make you sit down and watch the five hours of Oh, I've got some of me. Oh, too. no, I think there's even more. I think there's like eight hours of the first five years of my life were completely documented. Oh. And they're all on DVD now for easy watching. <laughs> so everybody <laughs> can watch eight hours of my life. I don't know if we're going to do Do we have a DVD? Yeah, the bad point is there was no sound. There was no sound back then. Oh. My, my camera didn't come with Mars, sound. Mine didn't either. So it's just, and we had them redone at Costco, and they put music behind it, which is really annoying. Did they really? Yeah, they put music so that you can hear, you, you hear music while you're watching it. Is it good music? Or? It's just like canned, you know. Like, oh, the and, elevator music. And, it, and, it, and it, it'll, it'll change now and then. It's, it's kind of strange. That's weird. What you got here? Okay, so we have... The Betts Mystery Sphere. This is a definitely a 1970s thing. Look at that guy. That's a porn star mustache if I've well, ever seen I one. Know, those kind of look like the sunglasses you just bought, though. It, nah, yeah, you can see his eyes, though. Mine I <laughs> purposely bought so you can see where I'm looking. Kind of like look an FBI that, agent. That plaid shirt, man. <laughs> plaid shirt and long hair. And it's got a plaid shirt and, it, it, and black arms and he's standing mm. in front of the blue ribbon panel of ufo investigators there he is with his sphere his what sphere. about it when the betts family was examining the damage of a strange fire that decimated 88 acres of their woodland they made a strange discovery a silvery sphere about 20 centimeters about eight inches in diameter completely smooth except for a strange elongated triangle symbol initially thinking it might be a nasa gadget gadget or even or even a soviet spy satellite they eventually decided it was most likely a souvenir on a moment's whim they decided to take it with them two weeks later (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> the family's son was strumming a guitar in the same room as the sphere suddenly the sphere started reacting to his tunes oh. emitting a strange throbbing sound oh my god that scared the crap out of me <laughs> that deeply disturbed the family's dog now that would, would bother oh my you god. Now the dog's, don't bother the dog now the dog's howling <laughs> soon the Betts family found the orb and other strange properties it could 
stop and change directions when pulled across the floor, eventually returning to the person who pushed it like a faithful dog. Oh, it's a pet rock. <laughs> it seemed to draw power from solar energy, becoming noticeably more active on bright days. Like Doug. Yeah, that, yeah, I am more active on bright days. <laughs> I do not like winter. It started looking like something or someone was controlling the sphere. It would occasionally emit low-frequency rattlings and vibrations, like there was a motor running inside. There's throbbing and vibrations. It's throbbing. <laughs> it seemed to avoid falling and crashing at all costs, as if to protect something inside of it. It even managed to completely defy the laws of gravity and climb up a slanted table to avoid falling. Well, that's just creepy. A media frenzy ensued. Respected papers such as the New York Times and the London Daily set reporters to witness the miracle sphere, which repeated its tricks to countless people. Even scientists and representatives of the military were impressed, although the Betts family wouldn't let them take the sphere for closer examination. My pet's fear. <laughs> However, that soon changed as the sphere took a turn for the worse. Oh, no. Oh, no. Dun, it dun, dun. Bad. <laughs> it, it turned started, bad. It's a bad sphere. <laughs> it started exhibiting poultry. Well, it doesn't like being captive. And why, like, Put it back in the yard where like you found it. It's like a circus here. It started exhibiting <laughs> poltergeist-like behavior. Doors started slamming shut at night. And strange organ music oh, wow. would fill the house out of the blue. Oh, that's not going to happen in my house. <laughs> at that point... The family decided to find out what the sphere really was. The Navy analyzed it and found it was a perfectly ordinary, high-quality stainless steel ball. It's ben, a ball. Is it Benoit ball? It's a ball. No, it's <laughs> big. It's a little big. Too big it for Benoit? Big. It was big. <laughs> to this day, it's not entirely clear what the mis mysterious alien spirit we don't it's not clear what the mysterious alien spear is well because the navy took it like they're gonna tell again, you again yeah not tell you what they're it lucky is. they got it back you, again usually you did give they get it back um i don't think they got it back oh well however there have been many theories attempting to explain its plausible nature the most plausible of these is incidentally the most mundane three years before the betts family found the orb an artist named James Derling Jones was driving in the area where it was found. On the luggage rack on his car roof were a number of stainless steel balls meant for a sculpture he was making, some of which dropped off during the bumpy ride. These balls matched the exact description of the bit spear and were bounced enough to roll around at the slightest provocation. The Betts family lived in an old house with uneven floors, so such a ball would appear to behave erratically. These balls could even emit a rattling sound thanks to tiny metal shavings stuck inside during oh, the no. manufacturing process. So these balls could roll uphill? Yeah, well, I'm not buying it. And again, to your point, did they... They let the Navy take it. And of course the Navy's going to say it's perfectly normal. You really think they're going to come back and say that you found something that's an alien artifact and we're going to take it and so long, Bet's family? Yeah, again... 
Yeah, so they didn't cut it open. And they don't or... want to... Well, they probably did cut it open. I mean, the Navy took it and did whatever they wanted with it, but they're not going to tell us that we found an alien life form. They're going to tell you you found a perfectly... Ball. And then they hire some man to say, oh, yeah, I was driving through your property with <laughs> balls on my car. You're starting to sound like a real ufologist. No, I just... <laughs> I, I know the government. I know, not, not uh, the government. But, and I know what they do. But really... There just happened to be some man driving along with a bunch of balls on top of his car and one rolled off. It's it's how all of these, not okay. all of these, how many. We know how balls work. When one falls, usually that makes the whole bunch of them fall. All balls fall. And when he got to his place to make his thing, he didn't go back and say, oh, I lost one of my balls. I lost one of my balls. You know, as a matter of fact, I did lose one of my balls and it rolled into. It rolled into your. Into, and it caught. What about the fire? Remember the reason yeah, they went out there? There was did the ball was the ball on fire? Well, that would a very, ball of fire that would very possibly happen because it's shiny. Great balls of fire. And the sun hit yeah. it, caused a fire. <laughs> and then there's a song made. You never let anything <laughs> shiny stay out in the sun; it'll cause a fire. All right, now what? Are we that going brings to? us to we're going to discuss, and that, that's enough of <laughs> the artifact thing. So I'm still not over the ball though. <laughs> <laughs> the navy lied these are more uh intriguing to me okay. this finds more we're going to talk about eight alien abductions that suggest underwater alien activity this is why i'm afraid of water <laughs> you're afraid of taken by a spaceship under underwater you never know eventually you're going to see a ufo and then your your attitude's going to change about this whole thing oh, you have deb on the show and she's somewhat of a skeptic you know I don't know. Do you believe in aliens and UFOs, Deb? I don't think we've think ever discussed Everything's got to be out there somewhere. That's what my dad said. Yep. We can't be the only ones. Nope. But, I mean, you know, uh, the, anyway, these, this topic is, we, we were talking more and more about how the Tic Tac UFOs and everything are, can go underwater. And I think this a lot of these articles were made before this you know most recent activity came to light so um most of us whether we believe in the accounts or not are aware of claims of alien abductions strange and bizarre tales of strange entities taking people from their cars lonely roads and even their own beds in order to perform experiments in strange locations usually assumed to be spacecraft somewhere in outer space however as strange as those accounts might be, one intriguing detail that surfaces in regression sessions more than we might think is going to under the water. What's more, many appeared abductions. Apparent. Many apparent abductions. <laughs> also, I'm like reading ahead. What's going to happen next? Also speak of being taken to a spaceship in outer space, but to a secret facility, sometimes deep beneath the waters. Of our very oh, own no, see, planet. That would be very Deb. bad. Very bad. I wouldn't like that. It's too well, confining. I know these people. Yeah, Betty and Barney Hill. Husband and wife Betty and Barney Hill claim to have been abducted on a lonely road in New Hampshire in September 1961. Their claims were met with intrigue from some and outright ridicule from others. There were several investigations of the case, though, as well as a string of hypnotic regression sessions. I'm never doing one of those. Opinion remains divided as to the credibility of the account still today. Why wouldn't you want to have one of those? What's the problem? 
it just seems freaky. Yeah. To because people remember things, and some people remember things that weren't aren't real. It's like I don't know. What's well, your perception don't of mess whatever with the situation brain. was? You know, it's scary enough in there. It's scary. <laughs> That's why we can't. We have to have our you know, be listening to podcasts, or we have to have things in our ear listening. Oh. We can't be trusted I, with our own thoughts. <laughs> Under one of these uh, regression sessions, and and of interest to us here, Betty makes reference to the strange craft she and her husband had just boarded entering the water she even asked herself out loud while under hypnosis if these strange objects actually went underwater it is a detail that has largely been missed aside from several eagle-eyed ufo researchers we know about those if betty and her husband were taken under the water after entering the strange under otherworldly craft then it changes, if only slightly, the nature of the encounter. Yeah, the, and I'm not big on if aliens are even, I mean, as Bill and I have discussed before, is there even, are these things even manned or aliened or whatever you want to call it? Is there even anything, even, is there even a life form in there? Or is, is it just something that's automated that's, that does these things? And brings these people here and, you know, it, it, maybe the ships just do it. Maybe there's not, not a, you know, but these guys, I mean, there were, their story, as we've all heard, they went on the ship and there was, you know, the aliens were doing things to them. But maybe that's their perception. Maybe it's just a machine. Maybe it might even be all automated. We're, right. It's autonomous. We're all machines are just doing all these things to people, studying them and then relaying the information back or within whatever you know central information mechanism they have here on earth then we move on to betty andreessen taken to a museum of time under the water this is rather intriguing um betty andreessen um Am I reading out? Of, you want me to do this? Yeah, one? I'm reading out of turn. Go Betty ahead. Andreessen claimed she had not only been abducted on one occasion, but on several. And what's more, these encounters went back to when she was a young child. One of these early encounters took place in 1950 when Andreessen was taken from her home. She would soon, though, find herself placed on a wheel like vehicle that seemed to fly of its own accord. The next thing she knew, it entered the waters somewhere off the coast of the United States. Well, I'm on which coast? <laughs> it doesn't say. Yeah. We have a few. <laughs> a lot of these aren't, they don't have the uh, dates, which are, yeah, it doesn't you say know, where there's she... no dates and exact locations and things. Well, yeah, she's saying it took place in the 50s, but, and we had, you know. I'm guessing of... it's probably, the, I don't know, I'd be a real guess because I don't yeah. know. Even stranger, the underwater vehicle took her to a large aquatic base. This that is really is freaky. One once there, she was uh, taken through what she would later describe as a museum of life. She would claim that held examples of human beings in strange glass containers from all different eras of history. As we might imagine, this encounter, as well as others made by Andreessen, are treated with a pinch of salt. By many, however, several notable UFO researchers have examined and investigated her claims, which remain some of the most debated in the UFO community. I mean, that would be, again, 
this is where the mechanism would take people. It's kidnapping people. Yeah. Thousands of people. I know we, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. How many people go missing every year is. I and I looked it up after, before we did that show two years ago. Yeah. I think we did that. And there's so many unexplained. Uh, right. Even in the, today's, you can't disappear. Right. You know, I mean, you can, but it would be rare that you would never be found again. But we found, you know, where these people are kidnapped and kept in backyards and impregnated. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. this crap happens and eventually they pop. Eventually they escape. They know that this isn't. Right. They know that this isn't really something that should be happening to them. And they, there was that yeah. one where the girl was in the backyard and she, the guy impregnated her and she actually, he, she finally, you know, and she escaped finally. I will never get over the fact that he had yearly or semi-yearly probation. Um, oh. He was, he met with a probation officer yeah. who never realized that he had a person held yeah. captive in his backyard. Oh. All right. Katharina Wilson writes of aquatic craft taking her to a Navy vessel. Oh, these are the same people that stole this fear. Oh. Perhaps one of the lesser known claims of alien abduction is that of Katharina Wilson. She would speak in depth of her experiences in the book Alien Jigsaw when writing of one encounter. She makes claims such as heading downward at a very steep angle towards the water. The next thing she knew, there was water all around us. She was, though, protected from it and soon realized she was in a strange glass-like tunnel or tube. What's more, this tube was heading downward deep under the sea. Oh, I would not enjoy this. Perhaps even stranger, she would further claim that on another very similar occasion, when the strange object she was on board finally surfaced from the water, she was transferred to a military Navy vessel. This would, if we assume the accounts to be authentic, suggest at least some partial involvement of the military in alien abduction cases. What you might make of Wilson's claims is, of course, up to you. That is really freaky. Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, it's... The thing about... The thing about these things is that, again, it's... I always kind of feel like this is really happening. Yeah. You know, all whether there's aliens. I mean, we always, they always plug aliens mm -hmm. in there, but did they see any aliens? I mean, did, I mean, I know Betty and Barty Hill did. Yeah. And that was the most compelling alien abduction story in history, as far as I'm concerned, because she actually mapped out the Zeti Reticuli. Right. Um, star system, and there's no way for her to know. Can that. you imagine the, you know, what it takes for people to actually report this stuff? Yeah. You know. Oh, I'll report it. Yeah, but I don't want to be. When people go, yeah, if I see you, I'm gonna. I want to be on a spaceship. I don't want to be on a spaceship. <laughs> you know. I don't want to be probed or whatever. You know. And are they? When are they going to be done doing this? What's the purpose well, to keep doing it? We keep changing. Well, yeah, we evolve, but I mean, do we have, do they have to pick up, you know, hundreds of people every, you know, I mean, that's yeah. one of the theories is that, you know, they have an underground base in Nevada and that we, the government knows all about this and we're working with the um, extraterrestrials and we're allowing them to actually take a certain amount of people every year for experimentation. Yeah. Um, 
we're not going to speculate as to which ones they should take, but you know, it's like, you know, they're not going to just pick the ones that we think that they should take. They're going to pick the ones they want to take. So, but they never seem to take anybody famous. No, see, rich rich and famous people (laughs) tend to be pretty safe. I don't know. It's there's, but I mean, there are so many people that are roaming the streets that are just anonymous. Yeah. You know, you, you go anywhere. I mean, we drove downtown Sacramento yesterday and the camps are huge yeah. with the people that have completely gone off the grid and are no longer a part of society. It's, that is very, that's tragic. And There's, it seems that we're trying to, we're going to go to the political corner. Yeah. It seems that we're trying to, to help these people building, um, you know, places for them to go. I don't really don't want to see people staying on the street. I know that's a fear of yours. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to be there. It breaks. <laughs> it just, because it just, it just dehumanizes them to such an extent that they're just, there's something that we don't want to look at. We want, we, we drive through these areas going, I, I just, I don't even want to look at these people because it, it just makes me feel unhuman that, that we could let a whole part of society just suffer like that. Yeah, I mean we we're thousand we're probably a thousand years from the Star Trek version yeah. of life, and we're probably going to have a horrific nuclear war if things go the way they seem to be going yeah. right now. So, um, hope I don't want to say hopefully not in our lifetime because I've got kids and I don't want them to have to go through it either. No, but who knows what's going to happen? Okay, okay. that's right. a political okay. corner. Okay, we're done with that. Orlando Jorge Ferraudi, that wasn't too bad, taken to a giant underwater dome. Although there is a discrepancy on the dates of the incident, with some sources stating 1956, while others quote 1965, the alien abduction encounter of Orlando Jorge Ferraudi is one of the most intriguing on record. According to Ferradi, Ferraudi, whatever he is, he was approached by a seven-foot humanoid figure in a shiny, tight-fitting overall. Okay, that's scary. While night fishing on a beach in Argentina. He was then taken on board a disc-shaped craft and flown under the surface of the water. He would eventually be taken under the Gulf of Mexico into a giant underwater dome. Oh, he's like in an aquarium. Ferradi would further state that his underwater... This underwater facility looked like a giant igloo. It was, his host informed him, a base to recondition our ships. It was a little shipyard. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's one of those things where, you know, that's, my, that's one place. If they take them in a certain area underneath the ocean, we're never, it's so massive. It's so easy for them to hide there. Yeah. Or the ships there, you know. But this seven foot tall being, I mean, that could be, he could have watched, in you his, know. In his mechanics overalls. In his, well, you know, if you watch The Day the Earth Stood Still, the, not the new one, but the, the old one with Michael Ramey, I think it was. He was really tall and he had a tight fit when he was on his ship. Yeah. He was So the guy might have watched, some of these things are people are watching these science fiction movies and all of a sudden. They oh, dream of it. Yeah, they dream it or whatever. Dreams whatever. can be very real. Um. They would also inform him that the genetic experiments had been taking place with humans in such facilities for thousands of years. What's more, the Earth has seen a zoo-like planet to other alien races throughout the universe. Even more bizarre, all life of Earth was in some way 
part of these genetics experiments and they had their origins on other worlds and that so that's like, an old story they like created these races and like oh, we don't really want this one let's ship it off to earth yeah are we like australia right <laughs> when they made it a, a convict colony you know they just yeah the yeah well like we'll we'll create these things and we'll we'll put them on this planet and see what happens i bet they're sorry now <laughs> <laughs> Now they know what happens. Now they come out and just check on us. Now we're all warlike and, you know, it's like, why don't they want to make contact? You know, well, they don't want to make contact with us because, you know. It's like, what have we done? Well, we're, we can't possibly make contact. I mean, if I'm an alien race, I'm not Mr. Ultra, you know, smart. (laughs) But if I'm on the outside looking in, I'm not. I'm not getting involved. It's kind of like I view other things. It's like, I'm not getting involved with that because we can't possibly expose ourselves to these people because look at them. Look Damn. what they've done. Damn. All right. Well, Linda Cortiel was abducted and taken under the water of the East River. The alleged alien abduction of Linda Cortiel is perhaps one of the more well-known of such cases, mainly as it was investigated by veteran UFO researcher Bud Hopkins. However, it is one specific part of the abduction that is of interest to us here. Unbeknownst to Hopkins, when he first took on the case of Linda Cortiel, who claimed she was abducted from her high-rise New York apartment in November of 1989, was that several people witnessed the incident from the ground below. On the evening in question, two security guards known as Richard and Dan... Richard and Dan driving the security guards driving near the Brooklyn Bridge. Their passenger was eventually real, revealed to be a security general of the United Nations, Javier Perez de Cuellar. As they were driving for no obvious reason, the car engine died. When they got out to investigate, they were shocked to see Cortile along with three strange figures floating through the air. What's more, they were heading toward a disc-shaped object. Once inside, the craft made a sharp turn and crashed into the waters of the East River. In an instant, it was out of sight and below the surface. Oh my God. Several months before the two security guards came forward with their information, Cortiel, under hypnotic regression, had made some intriguing statements. She claimed to Hopkins that the UFO she was in had come to a sudden stop under the water. What's more, she could see out through a window. She would recall seeing general garbage such as soft drink bottles on the bed of the water. Was she recalling her journey to the depths of the East River? Yeah, I'm looking at all this trash. I know, that's what's in there too. <laughs> it's a trashy river. Well, it must be true because I'm sure there's trash. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Filiberto Cardenas, from a lonely Miami road to a large hangar under the sea, Deb. While driving with a friend and her family on the outskirts of Miami in 1979, at least they said the location (laughs) this time, Filiberto Cardenas was subject to one of the strangest abductions encountered on record. After exiting the vehicle to see why the car engine had suddenly stopped, Cardenas noticed a huge disc-like craft overhead. The next thing he knew, a beam of light had struck him and was lifting him toward the craft. His friend and those in the car witnessed the entire thing and reported him missing. Holy crap. After a two-hour search, Cardenas was eventually found 
dazed and confused in the middle of a busy highway around 10 miles from his car. Oh, no. Following a medical test, he was allowed to return home. Oh, yeah. You went 10 miles in a second, but you're fine. However, when he sought hypnotic regression several months later, he would recall what had happened following his capture by the strange beam. Well, it was two hours later. Two hours, but even in 10 miles. Yeah. That he got found. But, I mean, he... How long did it take to go that? That's five miles an hour. You could walk that. Well, no, you couldn't. I think running is like I can your run. average. Yeah, but could you run the entire two miles? You're not going to run the entire two. I can't run 10 miles now. That's six miles. That's five miles an hour. Yeah, I can't run 10 miles. So I... he was not. He was either driven there by someone else. No, he was picked up by a beam of light and thrown there. <laughs> okay, just play just devil's listen. advocate here. Just go to your part there. <laughs> After several strange experiments by bizarre humanoid creatures on board the disc-shaped craft, he was placed inside a smaller vehicle, a Volkswagen Bug. Now, uh, this then appeared to launch and guide itself. It would head toward the water, breaking the surface and entering an underwater tunnel. Cardenas would eventually find himself in a large hangar somewhere under the sea. What perhaps makes Cardenas' account even more intriguing is that he was giving several predictions of upcoming world events by the hosts, some of which would prove to be eerily accurate. Oh, it doesn't say what those are. They should have told us what those okay, are. Okay, so in two hours he did this whole thing. So would... maybe if any luck I can get abducted, they can go ahead and give me next week's lottery numbers. <laughs> In that case, it's all right. And then I'll be happy. <laughs> In that case, it's all right. Yeah, I don't want to I don't care what's going to happen with the world. Just give me those lottery I numbers. need to go into that, that memory regression thing so I can remember my lottery numbers. <laughs> Better hurry. It's almost next week. <laughs> I know. I don't, God, can you imagine if you miss the drawing and then... Uh, I knew the number. Come on. Come and get me again so we can do this. God, I, need, I need another set of numbers quick. <laughs> the ones in my fortune cookie didn't work. <laughs> Anna Jamerson, not sure if her alien abductors took her underwater. Oh, she's not sure. In her book, Connections, Anna Jamerson would describe several apparent alien abduction encounters. And although they were not as direct as some on our list, the details she would offer are very suggestive of underwater activity. For example, one encounter she writes of speaks of how she was in a strange craft when she noticed a Huge ocean liner coming at me bow first. Uh oh. Well, that's how it should come at you. <laughs> if it's coming at you backwards, the next yeah, thing yeah. she knew, it appeared the ocean liner was above her, or more to the point, she had been taken under the surface of the water below it. It's going to hurt. Perhaps the most startling detail, though, is when she writes of being in such a craft before entering a long tunnel with soft sides. There's always a tunnel. Nothing like a long tunnel with soft sides, I always <laughs> What's more, there appeared to be green light at the end of it. When the soft sides were actually water around the tunnel, like the glass-like tunnels described by Katharina Wilson. These revelations were made under, as usual, hypnotic regression. However, at this crucial point, the therapist conducting the session directed her away from the green light. This means that Jamerson, like the rest of us, remains ignorant of what the encounter might have actually been or where it took place. So the therapist gets to guide you which way they want you yeah, to that's go. Yeah, this is what this means. Nothing. <laughs> well, maybe that makes it. It means it's a dream. It makes it easier for you. but. Hmm. Then we've got 
Fred Valentich's. <laughs> Nobody has an easy name. Oh, no. Fred Valentich. Vanishing a case of aquatic. Is it a case of aquatic alien abduction? The disappearance of Fred in 1978 <laughs> could fill an entire volume of his own right. Wow. Perhaps not least, as it appears, remains unsolved over 40 years later. There remains debate still today as just what happened to the young pilot from the southeast of Australia. It is, though, a case that UFO researchers have long claimed to be one of alien abduction and one that possibly involved an underwater <laughs> base somewhere under the waters of the Bass Strait. It was while Valentic was flying over this mysterious stretch of water that he radioed the control tower. He would state there was an unknown object flying over the top of him, and it was obvious he was panicked. Several minutes after the first transmission, he claimed that whatever the ob object was, it was not an airplane. Then he simply vanished. The last sound the control tower heard was a chilling screeching of metal on metal. A huge search of the region went ahead, but no signs of Valentich or his plane ever surfaced. Even of more interest, several witnesses in the region reported seeing a strange object around the same time of Valentich's radio calls. One of the most intriguing was that of Roy Manifold. Oh, good old man. I'm Roy Manifold, mechanic. <laughs> that is a great name. Who would even capture a photo of the strange object. Oh. It was, though, the claims of his son, Jason, who were of the most interest. He would state that after his father had returned inside, he remained where he was, listening to a plane somewhere in the distance. Then, as if someone had turned it off, the plane suddenly went silent. Was Valentich a victim of alien abduction? And if so... Was he taken to one of the strange facilities that many researchers believe are deep under the surface of the Earth's oceans? Da, da, da. Wow. Yeah. That's intriguing. Yep. Well, that about wraps it up today, Deb. Okay, let's get ready to listen to the Bounce House for the rest of the day. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome questions, comments, or requests to Alien Probe Podcast at gmail.com. This is on Facebook. Like and subscribe, as many have done. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. It's been awesome. The awesome response. Check out our website, alienprobe.net. You'll catch all of our episodes there. YouTube. You can catch us on Alien Probe Podcast. Thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. Thanks again, Deb. Hope Dr. Bill's on the men. Hopefully he'll be back next week. Okay. And, uh, Let's wrap it up for today.